It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. It's late January and the wind is up after 10 cold, still days, clear skies, iciness. It's suddenly milder. The weather is changing. Clouds are scudding overhead and a song thrush near me here is practicing its spring tunes. So there's a hint of spring in the air today, a bit of hope. Well, hello, and welcome to the podcast, the Nature and Countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name is Fergus Collins, and I'm the host of the podcast. And welcome to Voices of the Countryside, our 11th season of podcasts, where over the course of 12 episodes, we'll be capturing the words of fascinating rural people, hearing the songs and sounds of nature, like this lovely song thrush, and immersing ourselves in the atmosphere of beautiful winter landscapes, in a range of curious adventures in the wild outdoors. Now our voice this week comes from behind the scenes of the Countryfile TV programme. Jane Lomas is the series editor of the show, basically the person who decides where and what appears on every episode. Here she walks and talks with her own Annabelle Ross in a woodland near her home in Bristol to reveal her own rural passions and the joys of bringing this hugely popular show to British living rooms every Sunday evening. So, Jane, we've come to walk in Flax Burton because we both live not far away, but if you could have chosen anywhere in Britain to go for a walk today, where would you be? Oh, I know exactly where I'd be. I would be on the coast of Northumberland and I would probably be walking from Cresta to Dunsterborough and beyond because it's a very good little pub uh, and does crab sandwiches in a microbrewery and then walking back again and I, that for me, well it's God's own country I just adore Northumberland Sorry, just going to get through the muddy patch in the gate um, so, so the ideal is a long walk with a decent pub in the middle Ideally, yes. I think, you know, you, you sort of earned your pint and your crab sandwiches, haven't you? I think I'm actually... Was, it was probably a Northumbrian in a former life. Because <laughs> I've just had this extraordinary pull to it. Oh, how lovely. Um, so you're the present series editor yes. for uh, BBC Country File. What does that actually mean? Good question. <laughs> Put the tin helmet on every day and wait for the flak to fly. <laughs> um, well, basically, my job is sort of, you know, to not on my own because I have a lot of fantastic help, but 
it's looking after the team, it's the editorial direction of the programme, what you can do, where you can go, and obviously, you know, what, how we can film, particularly during COVID, and we're still filming to COVID restrictions, lockdown restrictions, because we're very careful. So, yeah, it, that's it. And it, you know, it's a big job, but the whole team, it's a big job for everybody because it's relentless and it's week in and it's week out. But what I love is that even at my vast age, um, I learn something. All the time I'm learning something, and I love that. Was it quite a, a steep learning curve when you took over? Because didn't you take over just before they announced COVID had arrived in Britain? Uh, yes, three weeks. I had three weeks in the office, and then we went into lockdown. So we basically, you know, the team had to reinvent the wheel so it was what could we do so we had presenters um, using cameras themselves filming in their back gardens filming you know Matt filming at his small holding in the Chilterns and they were amazing um, and the team was amazing and everybody just jumped to oh, look at that over there isn't that beautiful that light mm. no it is it's a lovely day we're very lucky a lovely sunny autumnal day so um so did you miss did you miss an episode or, or not? Like, we no. didn't miss one episode. Um, we, as I say, everybody, we just thought about how can we do it. And I was determined, we were determined that we were going to stay on air. Um, and we did. And you were operating from home and they were operating, yes. everyone was operating from everybody home. Was so, and, and a lot of us are still working remotely. Um, but yeah, everybody working from home. So now, of course, we've all got used to it, haven't we? But in those early days, it wasn't just about how we were going to work from home, the editorial team, but how were we going to film it? Uh, how were we going to edit it? Well, and so it was just a big rethink, but really, I mean, actually it was quite exciting because it got very... We had to be creative. Yeah. Did you, um, did you have to work longer hours somehow and sort of late into the night was it very exhausting yeah it was you know everybody worked phenomenally long hours um and you know i'm just i am so lucky to be blessed with an amazing team um it's been going for for so long it has to be there has to be a really good team behind it somewhere doesn't there yes and you know the programs are only ever as good as the teams aren't they and as i say i'm just very very lucky to have fantastic they're what I call can-do people. Um, you know, everybody is real can-do. and they'll do, They're really creative. What's this here? Um, it's a, a sort of pit, isn't it? It is. Do you think it's a natural pit? Yeah. I, I actually... want to think it's a natural pit because I'm a hopeless romantic at heart. <laughs> I was kind of look, <clears throat> looking to see where the path goes and trying to avoid any hills which make me sound terribly out of breath. But <laughs> Well, it will me. Um, it's either there or the, I'm thinking up think? there and then along. What do you think? Should we go there? Let's go. Oh, you know what this is? This is, is motor... My, um, what are they called? Mountain, Mountain bikers. Mountain bikes, yeah. 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 Not so romantic. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, this, this would have been my utopia when I was a little girl. Is that? Did you spend a lot of time exploring woods when you were a girl? Yes, I was a complete pain, I think, to my parents. I Where's just um, I grew up in Worcestershire, just outside Malvern, um, and I just loved being outdoors. And I used to, well, and with my brother too, we used to build dens in the haystacks, which my father would fall through. We were never very popular. Um, and Nick things from my mother's enormous garden where she grew up with everything so you know our fruit vegetables etc so we were always nicking strawberries we were probably just a total liability to be honest but that's interesting because it makes it sound like you were destined for country file but actually um i was looking back at your career and you started out as a print journalist i believe um but doesn't seem for long and then a presenter Oh, yes, they best not talk about that, no. Oh, we'll move long on. time ago. We'll move on, we'll move on. We'll move on but it must have given you some tra- training to work with presenters now. Yes. Yeah, some... And I, and I think, too, you know, when I was growing up in the countryside, it's so different now, because, as I say, you know, I was born in 1565. <laughs> um, but, yeah, my brother was always out on the farm in the holidays, out with my father, and I was, you know, it wasn't the sort of thing that I did... I got very excited if I was allowed to get on a tractor. So I wasn't really 
um, it's, I never really, I love the countryside, but I didn't really get stuck into the farm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's, yeah. And so, and then of course, you know, I was just, it, I just couldn't wait to leave. I was thinking, oh, I want to go to London. I want, you know, I want the lights. This is boring. This is this, that, the other. And then I think the older you get, particularly when I had my first daughter, Georgia, and I was living in London, I just thought, I, I, I want the countryside, I want the countryside, I need to get out. And then, you know, that was when I... I'd always loved the countryside, but that was like a need to be somewhere green and beautiful. So we went and moved to Malvern, Malvern Hills. Ah, uh, OK. So you have always wanted it. So what was the print journalism? What, where, what was that? Who, um, how did that was, you know, the classic things of how you train to be a journalist in those days. So local newspapers. So I started off on the Hereford Times. Um, and then regional newspapers ended up on the Northern Echo, which I absolutely adored. That was fantastic. Um, and I loved the North East. That's when I discovered Northumberland. But I loved the North East because... You know, I was there at a really tough time, you know, shipyard closures, pit closures, all the rest of it. It was a tough, a steel industry um, on its knees. So it was, a, it was a very hard time for that region. And there was a lot to talk but about. But for a young journalist, lots to talk about, yeah. And How I just adored it up there, loved it. But, what, but then you moved into TV. Oh, that was completely by mistake. <laughs> happened and you've, you've, you haven't left since no I know I, kept, I, th- I thought oh I'll do this for a bit might be a bit for fun and no here I am <laughs> still here you have produced a lot of programmes that's why I was asking about the diff- what, what's the job of an editor because a series producer versus a series editor I'm not really sure what the difference is no I'm not entirely sure oh, good. what the okay, difference well, that's is fine then we'll leave it there we're also <laughs> completely stuck in the middle of the woods and not sure which way we're meant to be going look, look, oh there's a den lovely that is lovely oh, would you so have done gorgeous. that as a child oh, yes I'd have <gasps> lo- I loved building dens and things oh, gosh how wonderful with your brother I was so lucky yeah I mean I was so lucky to be able you know to have this roam around this farm um, <clears throat> there's a very there's smart a one up there as well let's go to that other den um, if you weren't a series editor for Country File what would you like to be doing and where? Um, writing uh, in a nice little little place uh, on the coast of Northumbria. What would you be writing about? Oh, probably dreadful novels. Um, <laughs> Romantic or... Bodice rippers or something. <laughs> what sort of Mills and Boone style? Oh, probably. Oh. I don't think I'm the sort of best writer. Um... <laughs> love history, so it's sort of yeah. That's what I would historical that's what drama. I would love to do. Yes, historical lot, lot of drama, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> lot of drama. Um, oh, it's another one. Yeah, it's that's rather sophisticated. Oh, that the one. leaves falling over there. Gosh, it really is stunning. This so wood, isn't it? Beautiful. Yeah, it really is. And, all and the there's love... nobody else. And the ferns. Pretend it's all ours, can't we? Yeah, because we're slightly lost. So everyone else knows the way, <laughs> and we've just gone off the path somewhere. No, I think we're all right now, aren't we? Um, with Country File, what, is, there, is there anything that you're sort of dying to get your teeth into that you'd like to develop more in a sort of slightly different direction? I think, you know, it's a very broad remit, Country File, because, you know, it's wildlife, it's environment, it's heritage, it's history, it's farming, it's agriculture. It's so broad. Um, and I think that there are such challenges facing the environment, facing agriculture that is trying to reflect those to, and make it matter to people so it's about you know what's ending up on your plate and how does it get there and what's the impact how much it's going to cost you what happens so it's that I think for me well for all of us the team it's about the big challenges facing the environment facing agriculture facing the countryside in particular and the coast and it's how do you tell those stories so they mean something. And they don't make us feel too depressed. Yes, exactly. And I think that's very important because I don't think, you know, we, we shouldn't sugarcoat things. But at the same time, I think it's important that there is hope and there are solutions and people doing amazing things. And so you do genuinely feel hopeful for the British countryside? 
Yes, because I'm the eternal optimist. Good. Okay. Well, keep keep on telling us, <laughs> keep on showing us on the program how yeah, how it's going. Try. Yeah. Try. Um, Not to please everybody, but you know. Yeah. It's not wonderful. Looks like a dragon, doesn't it? It's just so beautiful. It's done. <clears throat> do you get any um? Do you get any candid camera moments on Countryfile? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, I haven't been on location because uh, oh. of lockdown, um, and also I will not go on location unless I can be vaguely useful. Um, Are you itching to go? Oh, I'm dying to go, but I won't do it unless I. Well, well, it's not just about COVID. It's you know the teams; they don't need me wafting around being a nuisance. Um, so I will go. If I can do something useful, hold the boom mic. Yeah, um, not fall over. Uh, <laughs> kick coffees too. So I haven't. I've only been out once, and I'm about to go second time to Malvern, um, which obviously where I grew up, mm. and get back out on the hills again. But as I say, I, I don't want to just go and hang around, you know. Okay, so we're not going to get any juice on any of that. We're not going to hear about uh, Matt Baker <laughs> slipping in a cow pat or anything. Uh, I'm sure they've all happened. Um, but you know, the presenters are what I call muckers in. They get on with it, you know, and they're not going to have a complete meltdown if they did fall cow poo or whatever. Um, they enjoy it and they get on with gay. it. They're not precious at all. No, no they're fantastic. And hugely supportive of each other and the team you know us um they're fantastic very lucky so it really is what you see is what you get with country yeah. file there's no yeah. sort of tantrums going on in the background but no yeah. that's really lovely apart from me <coughs> i'm joking no <laughs> um what about since you took over um have you have you had any hair pulling moments? Um, yes, I mean you know obviously the whole lockdown, COVID, that was moments when you just go Oof. head in hands, um, or hair pulling, or both. A bit of both. Yeah. But then I think the key thing is you just have to remain optimistic, and so problems become challenges, which sounds a bit pat but you know it's, it's about okay well we've got this problem we knew we wanted to stay on earth so how are we going to do it and actually if you've got optimism then people get creative Oops. okay Just so actually you turn a, a a difficult situation into quite a bonding situation try to. yeah try to so you go at it as a team yes and how big does the team get um varies we're about 30, we're 30 plus. Yeah, okay. So a big team. <laughs> Go on. Um, do you have time for practical jokes on set? <laughs> oh, I love practical jokes on set. Um, but, you know, because we're keeping numbers down and people are only going, people who need to go are going, um, I haven't performed any practical jokes yet. So you might have some up your sleeves oh, yes. for later. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what makes a good series editor? Tenacity. <laughs> uh, having the hide of a rhino. Um, what you mean, don't take anything personally, sort of yeah, thing? Don't, don't take things too personally. Um, encouraging the team. Uh enabling your team big thing for me sense of humour if you can't laugh don't do it because you know we're very lucky we work in an amazing industry and I think you've just got to have fun I had a do you have a do you have a favourite wild animal ooh that's a difficult one Beyond the UK would be lions. I'm obsessed with them. In the UK, oh my goodness, there's so much I love. Um, 
I think it would be the red squirrel. Oh, I've never seen a red squirrel. <gasps> where have you seen them? Well, guess where. Northumberland. Ah. Oh. You all right? <laughs> Fine. Northumberland. I've seen them several times in Northumberland. Oh, wonderful. Are you um, concerned for their future? No, I think it's all getting quite... It looks as though things are getting better. You know, I'm probably being Tigger, very overly optimistic, but, you know, I think they're doing it. They're starting to do OK. I'm not an expert. Ooh, it's those rocks. Yeah, so we're going to have a look. We can sit there for a bit if you want, in the sun. Can we, do you think we can Ooh. sit on that one? Isn't that stunning? Ooh, it's Gosh, isn't that amazing, that root? Exactly. Gosh. Tree. Growing out of... Um, rock. Growing out of rock. Can we sit there for a yeah. bit? Do you want... Might have to be with our backs to the sun. Are you... Can you, can you manage that spot, or is that not the good spot? If you could um, magically, dramatically change anything about the British countryside, what would it be? People respecting it and treating it with love and care. How would, how would you do that? Keep doing what you're doing. Well, I think it's just, you know, as I say, loving and respecting it, not leaving litter behind, keeping footpaths, you know, shutting gates. It's all the stuff that people go, oh, but it's so important. And then I think, you know, I think it's, we should all be enjoying it. It should be absolutely accessible to as many people as possible. But you've got to love it and you've got to look after it. Didn't we used to have a countryside code? We still do. But it was sort of more publicised in the past, or am yeah. I imagining... Well, yeah, it's still there. We've done it a couple of times to remind us um, on Countryfile, but, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, it's such... It's, I mean, look, sitting here, look at this. Beautiful, isn't it? Have you seen those little tiny mushrooms day. in front yes. of us? Those little white, yes. little spiky things. It's, they it's look amazing. Like coral. They do, don't they? And the trees, and like we were saying, a tree growing out of a rock. I mean, this is just stunning, and it's so so beautiful. And this is beautifully untouched. I haven't seen any no sign of human. No, apart from us. Apart from us, but yeah, but it's, it sort of seems to be respected and looked yeah. after, loved. So we've just found fairy fingers. Yeah. Aren't they wonderful names? Yeah, absolutely amazing. They're so tiny. How do they do it? How do they survive? That's the other thing I love about the countryside. I love all that sort of, you know, the folklore and how did it, names become names and what are the sort of stories behind them and the sort of magic. And the, if you, But if you... I mean, from what I can remember from looking at what you've done with your in the past as a producer... None of the programmes were... Well, some of them were, but a lot of the programmes were nothing to do with the countryside. But actually, you sound like as if you are happiest in the countryside. Is Definitely. that Yeah. So where, now, where, now, should we keep on? Yeah, okay. let's try and find the, the path. Um, now, I would say, like I was saying earlier, I think, you know, I think I was that typical truculent teenager that went, oh, it's so boring, there's nothing to do. You know. <laughs> couldn't wait to escape and wanted to go to London and the bright lights and where I thought it was all happening and then I think you do realise then I started to realise how lucky I was to have grown up in the countryside you know just outside the Malvern Hills can't get much better than that um, and this freedom to roam around woods and fields and what have you um, so you know having done the big escape and thinking how clever I was to have Left the boring, boring countryside. Was this London? I'm going to London. Yeah. Um, I think the older you get, the more I appreciated and missed the countryside. I really missed it. And Mm. now I live in Bristol, which is a lovely city, but if I can't see green, I almost panic. I have to see green. I have to know there's a field out there. And I think... You know, the older I got and go back home. I mean, my idea of heaven when I used to go back to Magistrates, which is where my dad farmed. We've got a lovely old stone wall here. Look, remnants of it. Oh, yeah. Um, my highlight was first thing I would do is pour myself a glass of 
milk from the dairy herd, which was in the fridge in a can, unpasteurised, and it was like nectar. I loved it. And I also noticed that the air, country air, just absolutely knocked me out before I went home for a weekend because it was so pure. And then, as I said before, I think having children, really, then I just thought I'd, I've got to be in the countryside or near it. I've got to be able to get to it. Um, rediscovered my love of walking and just being, yeah, being out in the countryside. I think just, just it works wonders for you, doesn't it? Do you get, um, do you always get weekends off? Do you manage to, to, to make sure that you have enough time to, to go? Hmm? It varies hugely. Oh. Um, but, I, you know, I don't get out into the countryside as often as I should, really. But it's when I do. I mean, I'm loving this. This is just like, oh, look there, what's that? This funny old sort of bit of machinery or something, isn't there? Yes, I wonder what this was with the old stone yeah. wall and the... There's danger, cliff edge. Oh, it's the um, quarry. Oh, of course. It's the quarry, and we're not. Yeah, we have. I we, we can't go in there, can we? No. Um, and then I think too, you know. Yes, it was this wonderful playground. Oh look, somebody's how brilliant. <laughs> Somebody having a good old pedal. Um, so where were we? Uh, so you ran off to yeah, London. Yeah, so ran off to London. And then bit by bit, as I said, couldn't, you know, just really missed the countryside. I had to have my hit of the countryside. Um, and then I think, you know, growing up on a farm, where I wasn't really out in the fields an awful lot because at that time it was very much, you know, the boy did that. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a hilarious piece of cine film, which my grandmother did. And I mean, on both sides of the family, it's farming, farming, farming. And uh, I don't know how old it was, not very old anyway. And uh, it's my brother, wasn't very old, is on the combine having a little trip around the field on the combine looking very chuffed. And I was convinced that I was going to have my go next. And I didn't because girls weren't allowed on combines. And the tantrum that I threw was spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> I think my mother was so furious. Um... And I think, too, for me, anyway, I think I just took an awful lot for granted, you know, that here were the woods and I could go in the woods, I could go in the fields and da-da-da-da-da. Um, and then when my brother took over from my dad, and it was tenant farm, my brother took on the tenancy and was a fantastic farmer. He's just retired. And my sister-in-law, Janet, is amazing. And she's sort of, you know, fantastic. She knows about wildlife. She knows, she's just amazing environment, the landscape, the history. And I learnt so much from her, more from her about the place I grew up than from anybody else. So they live in the Morvans now? Yes, well, yeah. they, 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 so it was Tennessee mm. in uh, Mudgesfield. Um, it's just outside Morvan. Mm. And they've now retired, but they're still living in the area. But she's, she's amazing, Janet. She, just this wealth of knowledge that I've learnt so much from her, which, you know, I just didn't know things about the farm that she taught me and told me about. Um, and she's just extraordinary. So she was a huge inspiration for you? Big inspiration for me, yeah. Oh. But you've never actually gone as far as wanting to have your own farm? I love the idea of it, but I think... It's really hard work, isn't it? Yeah, all that milking, early that morning. Milking, exactly. I quite like the idea of, you know, having a little Dexter sitting by my side, but <laughs> the realities of it, no. I can't believe I didn't know this was here. It's amazing. Well, now you can come back. We haven't even looked at the map. I've no idea where we are. <laughs> no idea where the car is. Well, we're just going to wander around. We said this would happen, didn't we? That we'd be so busy talking. We get lost. I normally do because I'm so busy talking. I mean, this no, is a bit this is pretty unusual, isn't trees. it? Four huge trunks. Yes. Together. And isn't it wonderful with all of the moss? Yeah. And down there, just where, where we've just were, look there. It's a, oh, it looks like something out of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Isn't it? it's yeah. So it's wonderful. It's all the lovely ethereal. moss. And the moss, of course, is always a great sign. Oh. Isn't it? Yeah. Has Country Farm had to have become 
more focused on climate? Oh, we've done um, three Plant Britain is the big initiative yes, we've got, the which is tree you know, planting, the tree planting yeah. and the community gardens. Um, and that was a big thing, very much prompted by climate change. But it's all interlinked, isn't it? Because climate change, our well-being, you know, and for wildlife too. I mean, um, you really couldn't get away with not talking about it, could you, I suppose? No, and I, don't th- I think we should talk about yeah, it. It's there. You've yeah. got, you can't sort of... It's like I said earlier, don't sugarcoat. Yes, um, yes. You know... And that's what we're there for, is to report all the different reports and findings and everything else. But I am optimistic. Oops, let's not get run over. Oh, it looks quite slippy. Who is slipping? Shall we stand over here? Shall we stand over here? Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) It's very slippery. But there's great big drops, aren't there? Is there? Oh, one or two. Yes, yeah, so please don't go over the edge. <laughs> Thank you. We were looking the at the big rocks well? the other no, we're way, here, um, the further along. We're, we're ex- exploring. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm. Beautiful. I, lo- I love this, sort of, this sense of wellness from nature. I'm heavily into this. And I think there is that... You feel your heart rate slowing down. You feel your brain slowing down. And it's the smells and the touch and the sounds isn't it that's like a little symphony do you do you believe that country file helps more people have the confidence to go out into the country i do hope so it's like a sort of wonderful natural medicine chest isn't it um and yes i think it's so important that People from all sorts of different backgrounds get out and enjoy it. Stunning looking down there. Yeah. Light. Yeah. Oh, footpath. So hopefully we haven't got lost. We'll come round to that footpath and it might be on oh, the way there. back. Oh, there. Okay, yes, that so could be walking. the way back. How many years has Countryfile been going? Forever. <laughs> um, as long as you can remember. Oh, gosh, yes. And I think, you know... People like John Craven, who is amazing. He's a national treasure and he's just an absolute darling to work for. And so knowledgeable, but so giving with his knowledge. What's his role in Countryfile now? He's my national treasure. Yeah. yeah. And he's always, in, he's, always in, he's always in an episode or not always? No. No. Um, you know, because obviously we've got quite a lot of presenters, but, yeah. you know... We try and work with Tom as often as we can. Um, and he's, he's incredible. Just a, such an interesting man. And also an absolute joy to work with. What makes him a joy to work with? Because he's so... He works with you. He's collaborative. Um, yeah, I mean, they all are. They all are. But... Um, I don't know, I've got a soft spot for John. That's he calls me his little Rottweiler. <laughs> could, you, could you tell us exactly why you think he might call you his little Rottweiler? Uh, well, we were on location when I was doing Couch Fire Diaries. And bless him, you know, obviously he's so recognisable and people were coming up to talk to him and standing around, understandably. But we were trying to film to a very, very tight schedule. So I'd sort of go and politely ask people to move. And John's always lovely with everybody. And so he just said, where's my little Rottweiler? I don't know why he said little, because I'm quite a lot of me. (laughs) (laughs) So now that's, you know, he calls me RW. You were just protecting him. I was looking after him. Yeah, you weren't being a Rottweiler. No, he was laughing, he was teasing. But um, it's it's a nickname that's stuck. (laughs) Is there a, a programme that you've made in the part, produced in the past? Not, not, not nothing to do with Country File or anything, that you sort of would love to just go back for one more go? Yeah, Tribal Wives. Tribal Wives? Because yeah. what was that about? Uh, well, it was sort of in that era, you know, Bruce Parry. Do you remember when he was oh, adventure and yes. he'd go off and do stuff about tribes? And we did a series about, from a woman's perspective. And so a British woman 
went out and lived with a tribe and it was all about women's lives, women's perspectives on life. Um, really interesting and I absolutely adored that. Where was that, where was that filmed? All over the world. Oh, really? And you went? No, no. <laughs> Back at base. Okay. Um, again, you know, because I think, ooh, don't fall. Yeah. Uh, again, what, why would I go on location if I couldn't be useful? Yeah. Um, and we wanted to keep it to very tiny teams, so that, you know, often it was just two people going out, so that you weren't being intrusive. What do you... Uh, I mean, nowadays, there's a... There's a oh, this is really... It's, it's gorgeous. This is really rocky. Well, it is, isn't it? It's stunning, though. What would you... Um, I mean, probably meant to be there, that side probably. of the wall. No, well, it can't be that side of the wall, can it? Oh, it's the quarry. It's the quarry. What, um... I mean, everybody now is having to be really careful. At least you're filming in Britain with Country File mm. because all these other natural history yeah. producers are having to think about their effect on... The planet. Yes. And do you have to also take that into consideration? Is that another reason why you say, well, I wouldn't go on location unless I was useful? That's another yes. reason why, yeah. And, you know, because we've got, like a lot of BBC programmes, we've got the Albert certification because of, that's basically that we're pretty green in how we produce things. But, yes, you've got, we've got to be really careful. You have mm. to take... You've got, you know, because think about it. Mm. You can't say... Everybody, please go and plant lots of trees for us and help us reach our target of, you know, three quarters of a million. Um, if you're flogging around the countryside for no, for no good reason. Mm. No, I think that is definitely... It's, yeah. it's, it's, you, you, yeah, it's you a could, difficult one, isn't it? Well, it's, it's a very difficult one for the big natural history guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I think they're having to really rethink... Yes. Uh, look at all that! Look at all that! Not going off. Amazing Ooh, lichen gorgeous. and moss. Gosh, that velvet. Yeah, it's incredible. There'll be plenty, thousands of tardigrades in there. What does the future look like for you personally? Because I thought you were pointing at the bird. No, let's go. So, it's, it's, so it is things like, you know, being able to have time to enjoy the things I really love. Enjoy them more. So, like sitting here, and that lovely peace, quietness, stillness. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! And there's a lovely, wistful ending there from Jane Lomas series editor of BBC Countryfile, the TV show. And lovely to hear from her. And a great chat there with Annabelle out in the woods near Bristol. I found it fascinating to hear much more about the life of the people who make Countryfile, because obviously we all know the presenters and they write for Countryfile magazine, as well as obviously appearing on the show. John Craven, Matt Baker, Ellie Harrison, Adam Henson. So don't often hear about the people making the show. So Jane is the, is the head honcho. And I've been lucky enough to meet Jane. Uh, in fact, only for the second time in real life last week, because she took over just before the pandemic began. And I remember meeting her right at the very beginning, because Countryfile magazine and Countryfile TV, we share a lot of ideas and we do help each other out quite a bit. And I remember hearing all these wonderful plans that she had for how she was going to bring new ideas and sort of change Countryfile a little bit. But obviously the pandemic came in and she had to shelve everything as she said, as she revealed to Annabelle. And I just think it was a marvellous, a magnificent effort to keep the show going when they're all working from home and planning distant adventures, interviews, all sorts of things, while not having the sort of team gatherings. Rather like us in the podcast studio. <laughs> and I'm delighted to say that I can see on my screen my very good friends, Jack and Hannah, who've joined me again. Hello, both of you. Lovely to see you. I'm sorry we're not all together yet, but that time perhaps won't be too far away. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully some, some adventures soon. I mean, obviously I watch Countryfile every every Sunday and it's one of the biggest rural TV shows out there. Now, I know you both watch Countryfile and we've we've had lots of Countryfile chat, but I wanted to hear about, do, do you have any favourite rurally themed shows that you 
we'd like to share with listeners because I think it's a good time to perhaps raise a few of our favourites to to wider acclaim. Hannah, how about you? I mean, I've talked about this before, but Detectorists is, for me, perfect rural TV. It's just beautiful. Not only does all the action take place outside, for the most part, I'd say like 80%, there are beautiful vignettes showing little animals at work, sunsets, all the kind of lovely little details. It really gives a proper sense of place and being outdoors. It's just lovely. For those listeners who don't know, perhaps people outside the UK who don't know what Detectress is, can you give a little brief resume of what it's what it's about? Uh, okay, it's about metal detectorists. So it's all very gentle. It's written by and directed by Mackenzie Crook, who also stars in it. Um, and Toby Jones as well. And they're lovely together. It's just great. It's a sort of, yeah, there's there's this gentle, but quite moving, I think, at times. At times just really silly, but... It is silly. But the male friendships as well are really nice. It's really interesting to see that dynamic playing out. They're not like cops, but it is kind of a, a buddy comedy in that way. It's utterly, utterly endearing and funny and just beautiful. As you say, the, the, the shots of like an insect crawling up a, a grass stem or a bird singing at the top of a gorse bush, just little things that, I, and I know Mackenzie Crook, who's written for the magazine and also actually appeared in a in a podcast long ago uh, for Wurzel Gummidge, because he is also the star writer, director and star of Wurzel Gummidge, which would probably be my pick. So we're, we're doubling up on Mackenzie, but he is a really, he's really passionate about the countryside I think he lives in Essex and has uh, a little bit of land which he turns over to nature and just loves spending time in it. I think he's the driving one of the driving forces of bringing wildlife into those two shows. Wurzel Gummidge, if you haven't seen it, is a retelling of old stories about a scarecrow who comes to life uh, and the various mishaps and adventures. But it's been brought up to with a sort of slightly modern touch to it by Mackenzie and utterly charming just perfect viewing i think it's for those of us in, who can access iplayer it's still on so definitely worth a look but yes great shows and if you ever get a chance to watch them jack how about you for me it was a bit of an a uh, bit of a surprising one but i really enjoy clarkson's farm and i think it's oh, yes. one that's no one really expected to be as sort of I don't, not good as it was but i don't think they expected it to tackle the same sort of things it did and sort of paint farming in the way it did i think they sort of expected the classic top gear jeremy clarkson and it be mayhem but it, it it wasn't that and i think that was a really sort of unique way of showing the farming culture to people that may not like me not know much about it that's interesting i i haven't seen it because i don't have a subscription to i think it's amazon that is it amazon that clarkson's yeah amazon, amazon prime yeah uh, uh, yeah so but I have heard loads about it and seen, I think a lot of farmers like you, like, like yourself have said that actually it portrays the reality of farming and the difficulties because he's gone into it. I mean, I'm saying this without having watched the show, but as far as I can tell, he's gone into it without a lot of prior knowledge. And it's the hurdles that he's constantly got to leap over and the sort of ridiculous elements of a lot of the paperwork and just how little money you make for the effort put in. I think a lot of farmers really appreciated seeing that in one fell swoop. I mean, I, I do think Country Files shows that as well, but of course it's it's got lots and lots of different elements in each Sunday show. I think they're very honest and open and, and, I, I, and Country Files has had some criticism when compared to Clarkson's Farm, but I, I think both have their part to play in Country Files in sort of stalwart Sunday evening show. I guess they they both kind of got a different spin on them, haven't they? Is that Country Files, you kind of know what you're going to get. It is a bit more of a laid back, I think, sort of program that you can sort of watch quite, it's quite relaxing in a way for some people. Whereas I think Clarkson Farm is you are tackling sort of people that may not necessarily watch Country Files. They're not that, that kind of their target audience. But Jeremy Clarkson, someone that is, oh, and so I think it's mean, done like yeah. a, it's kind of joint, to that sort of done a crossover. Might be bringing in some of the Top Gear type audience who might not watch Countryfile. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I guess so. I think I think a lot of it was that is that a lot of people I think watched it 
for Jeremy Clarkson messing about on a farm, pretty much. But I think once you get into it, you realise, yeah, there's that part of it, but also you do learn about a load about farming and the difficulties of it and even stuff about the cost of meat. I think we're, you're unintentionally learnt that stuff through something that you go into expecting to be just a entertainment slash comedy, in a way, programme. I think I should I should get a subscription and have a look have a look at it because I think it's something we perhaps cool. So um please we would like to hear of your own suggestions of favorite rural TV shows, which perhaps we could do a little bit more chat on at, at a later stage. So do send any thoughts to me, Fergus Collins. My email address is editor at countryfile.com. You can also get in touch via Facebook where we have a weekly post about the podcast and also via Twitter, where we're getting an increasing number of interesting comments, which leads me to the podcast post bag. Getting good at these segues. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, I'm, I'm going to grab the post bag this week, but I'm going to hand you one, this, this tweet from, from actually a friend and podcaster. I, I, can I leave you to, to who, who's got a query about last week's podcast with jeremy jeremy it's almost like you've read it <laughs> well it's almost like i've prepared myself <laughs> <laughs> well for this this bit of a uh, virtual post baggery we have a tweet from james fair and he has tweeted uh to say great potty all uh but one thing are you sure your sound of the week isn't a muntjack and then they said listen to this and given us a little clip um, to listen to and he suggests maybe is it even potentially a big cat <laughs> <laughs> we should put some context on that so the last podcast we i did with james was in our histories and mysteries series yeah so that's episode 118 where we went exploring the cotswolds looking for mystery big cats a great one to listen to so james lives in the cotswolds and obviously he's talking about the podcast last week with jeremy pound talking about music in the countryside but i think the star was hannah's recording fox or muntjac fox 100% mr james fair (laughs) how dare you question me um it's definitely fox but i am i was surprised by how similar they sounded i agree with you because i've done a bit bit of research and i mean there aren't muntjac are there muntjac you don't have to agree with me i'm telling you that it's true (laughs) i like it i like it well (laughs) Like 30 years of living here, not one muntjac has ever been seen. I listen to some foxes barking and they sound very like your fox. So Because it's, it's a fox. fox. Okay. <laughs> I think uh, I think we've that's conclusive. Yes. Um, we like hearing sounds of the week. But it is an interesting point, like the regionality of different species, because you can spot something and go, oh, it's probably that because of something that you know. But not all British wildlife lives everywhere. This is true. So when you spot something, it's a good idea to kind of double check sometimes. Good point. And there are loads of muntjac in the... Muntjac are small deer, little deer, just to be... uh, And they do have a very strange voice. I have heard them a few times. I haven't recorded them, which I would love to do. Here is one for comparison. Here's Hannah's foxes. So there you go. We know. We know. Hannah has spoken. This matter <laughs> is resolved. Uh, but I believe you've got another sound for us this week. I do. And this was a mystery sound. Um, or at least I thought it was a big mystery. Have a listen. And let me know what you think it is. Is it, is it the one I think I thought was a skimming stone on ice? Yes. Beautiful. It's a really unusual sound and really a oh, nice one. And that's that's a apps that's a peach. Uh, well, not a peach, it's a stone well, it's, on the, on ice. Well, it's ice on top of ice. So my brother was out. He says at Punch Bowl Lake, which I think is by it you. It is. Fergus. It is. Yes, up on Glorange Mountain. Yeah. And children were skimming ice on top of the frozen lake. And because they were in a valley, well, like the 
the lake is at the bottom of this kind of punch bowl, which made the sound echo the way that it is. Oh, cunning. Okay, I do know that spot. That's an absolutely excellent place. Oh, well done him. That's great. How What a beautiful noise. We love to hear sounds like that. Um, strange, might be birdsong, might be skimming ice across ice. It might be the sound of a lovely waterfall or maybe just a roaring tractor. But we like, we'd love you to send these in because it's always fun for us to try and work out what they are. And it provides a little bit of a postcard from wherever you live, wherever in the world. We're not just asking for UK sounds. So again, my email address, editor at countryfile.com, please send them over. And I do have the one more little trip into the post bag. Right, I've delved in and Pam, Pam Wetnell, who lives in Australia, she said, just a nice email to me saying, really enjoy the podcast. They become a lifeline to a world I love, but can't currently enjoy. Looking forward to the rest of the series. Thank you, Pam. That's so sweet. Thank you, Pam. Thanks, Pam. We, that really it just gives us a bit of impetus to keep going, really. And we've got loads of great things coming up for the rest of the series. So hopefully a lot more evocative sounds. Pam was referring to, particularly to the lapwings and curlews that we captured in episode one of this Voices of the Countryside, out on the Somerset Marshes. It's Sturt. So that was, that was, that was a great episode. Really loved doing that. And that seems to me a very positive and lovely way to finish this little recording. So, Jack, Hannah, thank you so much for your input as ever. Really fun. And just one more note before I go. I'd like to say a big thank you to Radio Lento, which is a podcast of immersive, everyday, beautiful soundscapes. They supplied us with the lovely sounds of the munchak barking in the woods. So a huge thank you to them. And you can find out more about Radio Lento in the description of this podcast. And thank you all for listening. Join us again next week for another adventure in the countryside. Goodbye for now.